Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, opportunity to worship you in giving. And now, as we look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our hearts, that we may grow thereby. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are into our third episode of this series entitled Advent. And this happens to be the second Sunday of Advent. Which then brings me to my opening statement for today. Everyone longs for joy that lasts. Jesus brings the joy we need, but we must be willing to come to him to receive it. Everyone longs for joy that lasts. Jesus brings the joy we need, but we must be willing to come to him to receive it. So today we are going to be focusing on joy. And if you remember on our first episode, we started off with the explanation of Advent. Then last week we talked about the unveiled promise for hope. And today we're going to talk about transformative joy unleashed. Transformative joy unleashed. Our first definition then is Advent, of course, which is a coming. Appropriately the coming of our Savior and in the calendar it includes four Sundays before Christmas. Joy, joy is the choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. Joy is the choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. Joy is the choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. We're going to be in John, the 19th chapter, I mean the first chapter, sorry, John, the first chapter, starting at the 19th verse, we're going to go all the way down to the 34th verse in order to, to set this up. This is the English Standard Version, and it says in 19, and this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they have been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ?" nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. 
Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descended and remained, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Romans, the 15th chapter. We got two verses over that way. Verse number 12 says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even who he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. John the Baptist is actually the cousin of Jesus. He is approximately six to eight months older than Jesus and he lived the life of what is called a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite life means that John lived the life that was set apart and consecrated for a time period. Traditionally, a Nazarite uh, vow only lasted a certain time, but for certain people in the Bible, it was a lifetime dedication. In the Old Testament, the two people that had lifetime Nazarite vows were Samuel, the prophet who the Bible says that none of his words hit the ground. And Samson, who was a pretty boy, but still he destroyed the enemies of God. And then we have John. The significant thing about the Nazarite vow was that you didn't cut your hair. You didn't touch anything that uh, had strong drink. And finally, you could not interact with the dead. Could not touch them, could not be around them. You were consecrated as holy unto, <clears throat> excuse me, unto God. So again, it's only 
three individuals that the Bible makes note of are in this category. Samuel, Samson, and John the Baptist. And so we see as we know that John has been set aside for a specific purpose. We also know the thing about John was that when Mary went to see John's mother Elizabeth, that when she came into the presence of Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, my baby has jumped in my womb because the Spirit of God has made himself present in her son. And think about this, that John was, well, let me say this, John's mama and daddy were, were not spring chickens. They were not middle-aged chickens. They were old chickens. Okay. <laughs> they were so old that you wasn't, you're just going to let them run around because they were just old. Anyway, the, 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 they were also of the line of Aaron, of the, of the high priesthood. It's, it, and if you look at this, you can see that John had this lineage, that God had laid this out long before the time came. So John grows up to be the promised forerunner, the, the person that's coming forward. If you remember back in the day, they would have what they called heralds run before the king and say the king is coming. The, the king is coming. So he was kind of like that. He was letting everybody know that change was coming because our redeemer, Messiah, is closer than what you think. And so he is calling the people to come and consecrate yourselves in preparation because Messiah is coming. But the Pharisees is like, hey, who are you to be saying all this? And he says, I'm just simply a man that has been called by God. And just like us, we always try to put people in certain cases so we understand who we're dealing with. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? Which gives indication to they were talking about Moses because you're doing this with such authority. This is not the case. And so just like John was the forerunner of Jesus, the church today should be the forerunner for Jesus' return. We should be the voice that is now crying out in the wilderness of life, declaring that there is healing for your wounds. There is joy to be had. There's peace to be had. And that we must do it with this call of joy and of awe, understanding that it is a very, very, very good thing to have Christ in your life. 
And as we look at this, if we look over John's life and if we were able to have John come here today, he would tell you that every risk I taken was worth the risk. So as we look at how John was answering and can hear the joy in that he is happy to be who he is and he doesn't have to be the Messiah. He doesn't have to be the Messiah. It's all good. I'll do my part and do what needs to be done. So one of the points that we can pull out of John's life is the fact that he was obedient to God's calling in his life. And it didn't matter the outcome. He just wanted to do the will of the Lord. Even as he was questioned by the Pharisees, he still stayed true to who he was. And so once we get the call from God on where and what we are to do, we should stay in the confidence that God has called us to do what he's called for us to do. And that God's plan is always going to be in effect. And so, a writer says that the assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before we know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. Quick side note, that is why it's important for us to focus. To focus on what God has called us to do. For us to focus on that things may come in order to pull us away from what we are called to do. But we should maintain our focus. We have to pull up and be involved in a laser-like focus. That we do not allow the words and the, the mouths and the, and the things that are said outside of us to cause us to become disoriented and to go in the direction that God has called for us to operate in. We have to lock into it. We have to do it. Why? Because God has designed us to go in this direction because he has equipped us in order to make it happen. And so as we look at what John is doing, he is doing what he's called to do. And when people ask John what he's doing, he did not lose his focus. He focused on what he was called to do. He didn't listen to what they were trying to say who he could be. But he said, this is all I am. And like the cartoon Popeye, I am what I am. And so a quick 
Another little turn in this is today we, we have retailers, content creators, people that are trying to tell us that the only way that you can be happy is to utilize, to use, to, to uh, subscribe to whatever they are selling. Although the mismatch black and white socks are a trending thing, will that really make you happy? Will that really provide you with fulfillment? Will it make you an attractive personality? Will it, will it give you status or money or the admiration of people? What about the people that I admire? Will it make me become like them? Well, well the bottom line, does it really, do I really want these things? Or am I just getting it because everybody else is getting it? I'll never forget, there was a time, I can't remember how long ago, but there was a, a toy called Tickle Me Elmo. And there was news about folks fighting each other over a doll that when you rubbed on it, it laughed. Yes. Now, if I had thought about it, I would just say, tickle yourself and laugh, and you can save yourself some money. But I, I, I couldn't think of it at the time. So the, the thing, this is the thing that we have to look at, is that society is trying to fulfill the exterior sensory parts of our lives. But the thing about joy, joy comes from knowing who I am and what I am purpose to do. That's why we have to have focus. Knowing who we are. Knowing what God has called for us to do and operating in the power of what that is. As we are running around and doing all these things and getting frustrated and, and, and seeing parking lots so full that you got to park in another parking lot that says, if you park in my parking lot, we're going to tow your vehicle because you're not coming in our store. And then we get flustered and we get upset and we get mad and this is supposed to be a season of a celebration, a season of, 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 of giving, a season of, of, of lifting up one another, but it has become a season of drop kicks, body slams, and rear naked chokes to make people pass out so you can get the last Tickle Me Elmo. Back in the day, they used to have this event called Black Friday. Black Friday originally didn't start until 6 a.m. 
the Friday after Thanksgiving. People would line up for the Black Friday sales at 6 p.m. Thursday night. Just bring my Thanksgiving dinner in here because I got to be the first one to go through the store. And the lines would be longer than the size of the building. And at 6, I mean at 5.59 a.m., in 30 seconds, there would be people pressed up against the door trying to get in. And they're looking at the sales associates on the other side talking about open the door, open the door. And what would happen is that it would be such a press that folks would get killed. Folks would get stepped on, folks would get stomped on. Folks would get stabbed for it. And then let me tell you, once they got in the store, the last 42-inch television would be on the stack for $150. And two people would grab a hold of the television. And then the third person, whoever friend came with him, would smack or punch or, or swing at the other person so that they could get the 42-inch TV for $150. You would see people tear clothes because it was the last on the Black Friday sales rack. You would see folks wait outside for folks to come out so that they could take from them what they went in and purchased. I don't really believe that is joyous in conduct. I don't believe that's joyous in attitude. Again, because joy is not based upon our senses. It's not based on our external. It is our contentment, knowing who we are, having the focus of being called by God and operating in that power. The Pharisees who were the, the, the attorneys or the lawyers or the prosecutors of the time couldn't make John change his mind about who he was. John said, this is who I am. This is my purpose. And I'm happy with that. Y'all trying to make me one of the great prophets. I, I don't have to be a great prophet. I just got to be the one that does what God has called for him to do. Can we grab hold of that mindset? Can we look at that and just be content to know that God has this? I don't have to have the biggest car, the biggest house, the most money in the bank. I don't have to have all these things. The old folks say, just give me Jesus, and that's enough. Why? Because in him we have the ability to live. In him we have the ability to move. In him we have our very existence because... He is all that we need. There's a song that we sing that we have kind of not really thought about the song, but we still sing it anyway. There's a song called Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now, when you hear that song, a lot of times the graphics that go with it are the graphics of 
Christ's birth on the earth. But if you listen to the song, the song is talking about Jesus coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not laying around in no manger. He's coming down here to claim what is rightfully his. And so we have to understand that our joy is not in the fact that things are going crazy in the world and that the world is ending soon. Our joy is in the fact that this will all change for the better and we will be sitting in the presence of he who has created all things. When we talk about the joy of Advent, Again, we a lot of times just focus on the fact that Jesus was born. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. We got all these songs. Can I play for you? Rump of the bump bump. The little drummer boy. We, we all talking about him being, and I'm not taking away from that, but I'm saying that we have gone past that. We have passed that milestone, and now our focus should be on preparing for his soon return. And so we should, we, it would do us good to remember that the only reason we can look forward to joy. It's because of Jesus' suffering for us following the first advent. After he came, he suffered, and because he suffered, he opened up the door for us to become the children of the living God. And so it might be something that we take a step back and just think about what Jesus has done for us and reflect upon that, what Jesus has done for us and, and, and kind of rest in that which Jesus has done for us. Why? Because we are still awaiting the final advent. There's, a, there's an old secular song that just ran through my mind and it says the second time around, is better than the first time. So Jesus' second time is going to be way better than the first time. And we should have this excitement within us, this contentment within us, this joy within us, that no matter what comes our way, that we got Jesus and that is enough. And that is why Isaiah said that he is the, the, the root of Jesse. He, he, he's going to come and he's, he's arising to rule the Gentiles, but his rulership is not a dictatorship. It is those that are part of who he is will rule with him. And it says in him will the Gentiles hope. Our confident expectation is that he's coming to set us up to operate in who he is. And then in the verse 13 of, of Romans 15, it says, And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. 
When you believe, he's going to fill you with this joy and this peace. That joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. Peace that surpasses all understanding. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The confident expectation that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. It all works together. It all comes together so that we can see the transformative joy being unleashed in our lives and in the lives of those around us because joy transforms your focus into focusing on what God has called you to do because it's internal and not external. When we started off, we started off with this thought. Everyone longs for joy that lasts. But Jesus brings the joy we need, but we must be willing to come to him to receive it. And our final thought for today is this. To experience enduring joy, we will need to let Jesus Arrival be a holy invasion of every part of our lives. It needs to come in and arrest us, lock us down, place us in the position so that he is the um, uh, preeminent part of our lives so that we can serve him with gladness. This transformative joy, this joy that comes in the midst of a storm and you have peace in the midst of the storm. You're excited that you're in the storm because you know that because you're in the storm that God is going to bring you out. Now with that being said, the key to this is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order to have that relationship, it is a process that you must go through. You must come to the conclusion that you cannot do this in of yourself, that your abilities are too limited for this to happen. And with that thought in mind, God has provided you a way that you can get everything that you need in order to be everything that God has called for you to be. The process is simply this, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Why? Because with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That word saved means rescued, means to be delivered. It means to be placed in a better situation. What is it that we need to be saved, delivered, placed in a better position from? From sin. Sin means that you have missed the standard that God has set. And if you, when you ask Jesus into your heart, when you ask him into your life, when you make this declaration, he comes in, forgives you of your sin, and when he forgives you of your sin, he gives you life everlasting. Why? Because the result of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, we just don't want to tell you this and leave you out there. Because we believe that this is not an individual event, but a team sport. And so we want to let you know that you can contact us, contact us at God's House Christian Church. At, the email is info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. Wherever you are in the world, we will come alongside you and assist you along this journey. Why? Because it's important for us to do this together. Well, friends and family, that is episode number three. Transform, transformative joy unleashed. The joy of the Lord being such a part of our lives. It can provide us strength. It provides us hope. It provides us peace. Why? Because we have made the Lord our King. Next week, we're going to go into episode number four, which will be... Uh, Advent Sunday number three, and we will be talking about peace. And we will be establishing what that is as it pertains to Advent. So catch us next week when we go into that area. And until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.